I guess I don't need the mic, I'm already mic'd up. Well, I feel like, who am I to be getting up here and talking, but um, I have studied and um, I love to do it. There is nothing that gives me greater joy and all week long, it's so stressful preparing for a sermon if you've ever done it and you've experienced all this opposition, it's wild, I can't even describe it, but it's so worth it because it's such a joy to be able to unpack God's word and lead you in greater intimacy with him. That is my prayer, and that's my joy. So um, this is weird also. So <laughs> I'm glad I did the back of my hair this morning. I think I did. Um, okay, did everybody? Did anybody read the blurb this week? If you read the blurb, you got a head start. I want to start with a quick poll, and the poll is, what kind of gift unwrapper are you? What kind of gift unwrapper are you? You know what kind of gift unwrapper you are. You can raise your hand for multiple things, too. Okay, so first, this is the easy one. You get your gift, you get your present, you peel the tape back, you don't want to rip any of the paper, you fold the paper, you save it, and I'm looking at you, Mimi. You have your ribbon, you keep it. Raise your hand, raise your hand if this is you. I know some of you keep the paper, you keep the ribbon, I keep the ribbon. Okay, gosh, like five of you, that's it? It's good ribbon. Okay, the next group, you, you rip it off. Like, you're ready to go. Look it, she already has her hand up. You're tearing, you're wondering why anybody would triple knot a bow on a Christmas package that they know you're going to open. Because it's like, if you're going to open it anyway, why is there this big bow? Okay, third category. You wait for everyone else to open their gift first. You kind of sit and you wait until someone says, okay, it's your turn. Joe, is that you? Are you that kind of gift opener? Maybe. Yeah, you're, you're looking around. You're like, okay, yeah, that's you. Okay, this is the final gift. You can raise your hand twice, I warned you. You have already looked in the end of all the packages with your name on them under the tree, Denise Wendorf, and you've scooped the tissue paper over so you know what's in all the presents with your name on them already before Christmas starts, yep. Okay, thank you for fessing up. I used to hide her Christmas presents under my bed until Christmas Day I would take them out because I knew she would peek and I didn't want her to see. I wanted it to be spread. Anyway, so why are we talking about gift unwrapping? Mary, the mother of Jesus, receives this amazing, incredible, beautiful gift. And we're going to look at how she opens the gift, how she responds to it. And I think we can learn a thing or two about Mary. She gives us this beautiful model that we should all strive to emulate as we open our gift this season. But before we get to the response to the gift, I want to invite up um, somebody in our congregation who is an expert, um, who has far more uh, experience than I do and knowledge um, of the Christmas story. So, without further ado, Miss Michelli Pedophils. <laughs> All right, Michelli. So, I'm going to give you free reign here. You have your own mic. Is this the right height? Yep. That's Test right. it out. All right. You want a little higher? A little higher. Okay, so Michelli, the Christmas story to you, where does it all begin? Um, so it first begins, um, this guy named Zeremiah. Zacharias? Zacharias. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's in this temple, he, and he's one of the prophets. And yeah. then a vision comes up, a vision of an angel Gabriel come into his mind, and it, and it says, Hi, you do not be afraid. You're going to have a son. His name is going to be John. And then wait, wait, wait. So an angel shows up to Zacharias in the temple uh -huh. and says you're going to have a son named John. Yes. And why is this such a big deal? 
Um, because his he and his wife cannot have children and they're old. So. Like how old? Like seventy. Like seventy so. old. Okay. All right. All right. That's fair. Okay. So then, what happens after that? So the angel shows up to Zacharias. Says you're going to have a son. And then he's like, no way. You're joking. I don't believe you. So then <laughs> the angel's like, oh, you don't believe me. Well, you can't speak until your child's born now. That's so crazy. then he can't speak. And then so later, how does he tell his wife about the fact that they're going to have angel a baby? Angel Gabriel comes to his wife, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth. And she, and he said, and Gabriel says, hey, you're going to have a son, and his name is going to be John. He's going to be Baptist, and he's a very special person. So then she's like, okay. Um, Does she I, believe him? She's, yeah, she believes him, but she's probably freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, so then, definitely freaked out. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, she couldn't have kids, right? Yeah, six months later... Angel Gabriel comes to this young woman named Mary and says, hi, you're going to have a child, and his, na his name is going to be Jesus. Do not be afraid. He is going to be um, the, the Messiah of all. And how and do you think Mary's feeling at this point? She's probably, like, scared out of her mind, like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? Because Mary would have been, like, just a few older years older than you, right? Yeah, she's probably, like, 12. Because you're nine, right? Mm -hmm. And she's probably 12. That's yeah. crazy. And so she's engaged to this guy named Joseph. And so she walks over and she's like, hi, I'm sorry about this, but I am pregnant. And then she's like, and then he's like, um, okay. And so then, like, so then she's like, can you at least, can you forgive me and can you take me out to... Bethlehem, because that's where we're gonna go for for countings, and we I can't have this baby here. So then on the way, she goes to Elizabeth's this house. This is exactly right. You're right on. Yeah. And without saying anything, Elizabeth knows. Wait, this is the crazy part, right? Yeah. Okay. Elizabeth knows without saying a word, your your son is gonna be the Messiah. And whose son? Mary's son. Elizabeth knows that yeah. Mary's son is going to be the Messiah. And right then, when Mary walked in, John took a leap in Elizabeth's womb. Wow. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Yes. Was there anything else about the story? I, I mean, any important parts? I think we covered it all. Yeah, I do too. Okay. <laughs> any questions from the expert here, Miss Michelli? All right. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Wow, wow, that was so much more fun than reading the story or me telling it, wasn't it? She, Michelle, you did such a great job. Your knowledge is unbelievable. Future preacher right here, James, watch out. That's the story. That's the background. That's the context. That's all the context you need to know. And if Miss Michelli can get all those details right, you better know it. Um, that's a weird sound. Um, and that's what's leading up to the passage that we're going to look at today, which is Mary's response. It's Mary's response to Elizabeth. And I think that the reason that this response didn't come after the angel came to Mary is because the angel comes to Mary, and like Michelle said, she's probably freaked out. 
Is this real? Did that really happen? Did I really just hear what I thought I heard? Are my ears deceiving me? Or, you know, is this a dream? And then she goes to see Elizabeth and Elizabeth confirms it all. Mary doesn't say a word and the baby leaps in Elizabeth's womb. And Elizabeth said, blessed are you and blessed is the seed of your womb. And how is it that the mother of my Lord has come to visit me? And Mary knows this is all happening. This is real. And so this is what Mary says. Um, you can look at it in your bulletin. I printed out the message version, version because I love the vivid imagery of this. Or you can just close your eyes and listen. Um, sometimes that's a good way to just picture it all. So this is what it says in Luke 1. Mary says, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe of him. I want to read that verse again. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe of him. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattering the bluffing braggarts. He knocked tyrants off their high horses, and he pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a beautiful banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies. He piled them high. It's exactly what he promised beginning with Abraham, right up to now. Is that beautiful? That's the song that bursts out of Mary's heart. That's the song that just comes oozing out of her soul and her spirit when she hears this good news of great joy, when she hears that it's confirmed by her, her relative Elizabeth. And it's not manufactured. It's a real honest response. You can't make that up. And I love that the NASB says, my soul exalts the Lord and my spirit rejoices in the Lord, my savior. And notice the difference between singing words and praise and speaking it out loud versus the, the praise coming from your soul and your spirit. It's coming from a place deep within. She's not just saying it. She's not just, just reciting the words or singing the song. It's welling up out of her. And that's what I want to talk about today. How do we enter this Christmas season in such a way that that joy that's unbridled, I am the most fortunate woman on earth, I am the most fortunate man on earth, just pours out of our being? Can we? Can we go into this holiday season? I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know if this has been a joyful season for you or a really painful one. But can we enter this Christmas, this holiday season, with that oozing joy? Um, about eight weeks ago, many of you know, um, and were very much a part of the story of what happened to my little guy who's sitting in the back right there. Um, August was hospitalized, and he, we didn't know what was wrong. There was something wrong. They knew that they needed to do surgery. They called it exploratory surgery. Um, and we were in the hospital for a week trying to figure out, you know, what do we need to do? What's the best 
what's the best method to, um, to figure out what it is and to fix it. And um, there was a moment that I will never forget in the hospital where my eight-week-old baby that I'm just like so overwhelmed by and so blessed with is laying on this full, you know, twin bed and he's this big and he's just laying there by himself and he's hooked up to all these cords and um, tubes and, you know, some of you have seen the pictures and they circulated around and you prayed and I'm just so thankful for that. Um, but the doctor said, you know, this is exploratory surgery and so we're going to give you this waiver, this paperwork before he goes into surgery that you and your husband need to sign. And this paper is pages and pages and pages long of all of the things that could happen in a surgery. I don't know if you've ever sent a child in or a parent in or you've been in surgery, but they always tell you these are the risks and these are the possibilities for what could happen. And sometimes when they know what they're doing, it's a few things listed. And this was endless. This was like we were signing over complete control of our son's life and the decisions that were made around his health to this doctor because they didn't know what they were going to find. And we wanted, when they got in there, him to be able to make the decision that was best for our son. And so we signed this paper and we said, we trust you. And we, they wheeled him off, sorry, <laughs> um, on his bed and he's looking at us and he's not even crying, he's just looking at us. And we just fell to the ground and we wept. And it was, I think, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life to watch him um, go. And we just cried and we prayed and we cried out to the Lord. We were full of fear. Lord, what is gonna happen? You just gave us this sweet gift of a child. Is it gonna be taken away from us? Um, we don't know the outcome. There could have been, you know, a million things that we tried to read through. Some of them, I didn't even want to know what it meant because it was too scary to think through. And um, in that moment on the ground, we just said, Lord, we have no control. We have no control. We are powerless. We are humble before you, literally on our faces, asking for you to do something good, asking for you to be who we know you to be, healer, asking for you to be who we know you to be, good father who loves us, who loves me, Brooke, his daughter, and who desires for me to have the desires of my heart because he gave me those desires. And so I'm speaking this, and my husband's speaking this, and we're saying, Lord, you are good, you are healer, you are creator, you put life, I hear you, baby, you put life in his, in his body. You created his body. You knew we were going to be in this situation. We, you knew he was going to have this issue. He was going to be in this hospital right now. And you are in control. You are all powerful. And let me tell you, humility leads to worship when you know the Lord. Because you see the end of yourself. You see, like, I can't go any further. And so you have to do the rest, Lord. Like, I stop here. The, it's, it's all you. I trust you. I give it to you. I release it to you. And that's what I want us to get today. And we don't have to go through tragedy to get there. We can experience joy and have humility. And that could lead to a real true response of worship. But the thing is, 
It's a gut response of worship. It's not just, I'm saying the words, I'm speaking it out loud. It wells up deep within us because we know God. We know who he is. We know what he's done. My husband and I, this is not the first hard thing we've been through in our life. We've been together 10 years, and there's been a lot of crummy situations, and the Lord has sustained us. We know the story. We have our own stories of how God has sustained us. So this story is one of joy. It's not tragedy. And let's look back at the text. Um, verse 46, Mary says, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. She is speaking of herself. This is her personal story. I love when she says, oh, sorry, I switched over the NASB, but you can look at the printout in your outline. Is the printout in your outline? Yeah, okay. Um, she says, what God has done for me will never be forgotten. She says, I am the most fortunate woman on earth. This is personal. So, and then Mary, did you know that there are between 12 and 24 references to the Old Testament in this passage? It doesn't sound like it's like all choppy with Old Testament references and quotes or anything. It just flows out of her, right? Like when you, when you heard me read that, did that sound like, oh, that's an Old Testament reference, that's an Old Testament? No, it's like it, Mary knew the Old Testament text so well that it, she was so seeped in it that it just kind of came out of her in her own words because she knew the Lord. She knew the story of the Lord, the stories of what he had already done. And so I love this because um, if you actually like look at the text verse by verse, Mary's over here. Hannah, you remember Hannah? Samuel, the Lord gave Hannah Samuel, yeah? Nod your head if you, you know the story, okay? So Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Hannah said, my heart exalts the Lord. I rejoice in my salvation. Sound familiar? Mary's quoting Hannah. She knows Hannah's story from 1 Samuel. In verse 49, Mary says, holy is his name. Hannah said, there is no, no one holy like the Lord. Mary said he put down the mighty from the thrones, exalted those of low degree. Hannah said the bows of the mighty are broken, the feeble gird on strength. I could go on and on. Do you see the parallels? She's not copying the exact words, but she's speaking the story out loud. She, she's rehearsing it. She knows it well. And, um, you know, down in verse 48, it's not just the story of Hannah that she's quoting from the Old Testament. Verse 48, she says, um, he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave, Behold, from, uh, from this point forward, all generations will count me blessed. Leah said that in Genesis. Um, Psalm 126, when Mary says, he that is mighty has done great things for me. She's quoting, again, Psalm 126. So the point is, the parallels are not word for word. Mary's not quoting the Old Testament scripture, but it's pouring out of her because she knows who God is and she knows what God's done. And what she says is, is personal. It's, it's real. It's what God has done for me. I am the most fortunate woman on earth. That's what I want us to figure out how to get to <laughs> this, this week and this season. I, my prayer is that we are a church and we are a people and I am a woman who experiences that joy that just wells up, that comes from deep within, beyond the Christmas season. I want my hope to be in the one who can bear the weight of the hope. 
And so I want to challenge us. Um, Jasmine's going to come up and um, lead us in some time to just reflect and worship. I think part of, part of our response, the challenge that I want to leave you with, and maybe you can write this down in your bulletin, is do you know the stories of, do you know the character of God? Do you know what he has done? Do you know who he is? Can you rehearse it? Can you say it in your own words? When you're thankful, what comes up out of you from scripture? And then the second thing is, what are the stories in your own life? Where have you experienced your own story of God being faithful, of God sustaining you, of God walking through the muck and the mire? And can we just spout them out? Can we list them off? Last sermon, last um, service, we had an opportunity, we had a little time at the end of the service to um, just have people stand up and talk about what God's been doing, share the blessing, the gratefulness, because out of a grateful heart is the real praise, is a humble heart. It's, it's one and the same. It's so tied together. And I, I was so struck by this sweet boy, Jason, who is special needs, and um, he stood up and he you know, basically took the mic from James and went on and on and on and on. You know when you like have open mic sharing and there's one person who like doesn't stop talking? Well, this is Jason and he's taking the mic and he's, I'm so thankful for James. I'm so thankful for my dad. My dad has walked through. I'm thankful for my mom. And he's going on and on and everybody's listening, you know, very politely. And my aunt sitting next to me leans over and she goes, that's the overflow. And I go, yes, Jason got it. And I'm even, I just preached this message and I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, we got to wrap it up. And Jason will not stop talking about the blessings. He's just going, he's just spouting and he has no inhibition and he's thanking everyone from James, the MC and the church. And he says, when I think of Christmas, I think of you, Brooke. And I'm like, I don't even know you, <laughs> but he's thankful and it's welling up out of him. Do we have that same attitude where it's just pouring out of us, it's seeping out of us? Maybe we need to take some time to sit and just, I mean, as cliche as it sounds, count our blessings. Write it down. Thank the Lord. Express your gratitude. That's how we need to enter this season, by taking on that humility, expressing our gratitude before the Lord. And if it's been a season of pain and a season of hurt, or a season of loss, put your hope in the one who can bear the weight of your hope, who will not crumble. There's no other thing that you can put your hope in this season than Christ who is strong enough to carry that weight of hope. So Jasmine's going to lead us in time of response, and I challenge you, um, let us be a church that wells up with the true joy that cannot be manufactured, but is deep within, out of gratitude for the Lord God we serve.